Open your Bibles to Psalm 37, and then we're going to look at Proverbs uh, chapter 6. But um, Psalm 37 and Proverbs chapter 3. There are two words that have been coming to me this week that are so descriptive of the heart of God. I was thinking, how, how can you ever exhaust who God is? How can you ever exhaust all of his great attributes? But these two words just kept coming to me over and over again. And I believe that uh, there are two characteristics or attributes of God that, uh, that we really need to know. And the words are this, willing and able. God is willing, but also God is able. I think the word willing describes the heart of God. And I believe the word able describes the power of God. And so I would say to you in your life this morning, wherever you are, God is willing. But let me go beyond that and say that God is able. You know, as I thought about this, there are two great uh, passages that describe how willing God is and how able uh, I'll get to them in a moment, but let me just read to you in, about God's willingness. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, a leper comes to Jesus. A leper comes to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me of this leprosy. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I'm willing. He said, I'm willing. And he touched that leper. And he made him whole. Matthew 8, 2. Also over in the book of 1 Peter 3, 9. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. But he he is willing that none should perish. And that all should come to repentance. Somebody says, well, you know. God, God's not doing what he said to do, he's going to do. But she said, you need to understand, God's on time. And the reason there's still time is God, God desires, he's willing for all people to be saved and to come to repentance. So there's no question that God is willing. And whatever your need is in your life, you have not got to persuade God to something that is already in his heart. You just have to believe that God is willing. In 2 Timothy 2, it says, God is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But then you get over and there's that word able. So God is willing. And you say, Lord, I know you can do this in my life if you're willing. He said, I'm willing. But the second thing, he is able. Now, we've all know that verse, and we've talked about it many times. We're in 320 of Ephesians. 
who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. And he's willing to do that. He's willing to do that. But talking about him being able, now think about this. He's He's able to do more than we could ever ask or even think according to his mighty power that works in us. So, man, God is willing. But praise God, he is able. Boy, I love Hebrews chapter 7 where it says, As a high priest, Jesus continues forever. And listen to this. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for him. The leper said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. Jesus said, I'm willing. He's willing that none should perish. He's willing that all should be saved. But I'm telling you, he is also able to do exceedingly abundantly what we could ask or think. And he's able to save a person completely because he continues to pray for him. I got to thinking about, well, why don't people get in on it? If God is willing and God is able, why, why, why are so many of us not receiving from God what he wants us to have? It's not that he's not willing. And it's certainly not that he's not able. He's the God of all flesh. Nothing is too hard for him. So why, why, don't, we sometime, why don't we get in on what God's willing to do for us and is able to do for us? There's a disconnect here. Why, why doesn't that happen? Well, there, there's a passage. And it's just um, almost overlooked by so many. But I want you to hear this. This will tell you why many people have needs and are in situations. And that God is willing and able, but they never get in on it. In Hebrews 4, verse 2, listen to what it says. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But listen at this. But the word which they heard did not profit them. He said the gospel was preached to them just like it was to us. But the word that they heard was not, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. He said, you know... They heard the gospel just like we did. But you know, they didn't get in on it. And you know why? They heard it, but it wasn't mixed with faith. Faith didn't rise in their heart to say, God, I claim what you will. Faith did not rise in their heart and say, God, I claim, I claim. See, they heard it, but it was not mixed with faith. There are three areas I want to talk to you about this morning, about this thing of being willing and able. And, and, and the passages that I'm going to look at is Psalm 37 and Proverbs 6. If we're going to get in on what God is willing to do, stay with me now, and what God is able to do, if it's going to be mixed with faith so that we can receive from God what he is willing and able, the first thing you're going to find is number one, we have to trust the Lord. And I'm going to show you in two passages just how the Bible talks about trusting. And, and that's another word for believing. It's another word for faith. 
But if we're going to get in on what God is willing and able, we have to trust the Lord. But secondly, we have to surrender to the Lord so that we can receive what God has for us. And then we have to, have to hold on tight to the faithfulness of the Lord. Now let's look at these two passages. Look at Psalm 37. And I want you to look for the word trust and for the word surrender. In Psalm 37, it, it begins in uh, verse 3. Now listen to it. God is willing. God is able. What does he need to do in your life? I mean, where are you right now? Well, he wants to speak to you that he's willing. Trust in the Lord and do good. Psalm 37, 3. Just trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. He goes on and says, delight yourself in the Lord. He says, trust him. Then he says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Then he goes on in verse 5. God is willing, y'all, and he's able. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Commit it to the Lord. Trust in him and listen to the promise. And he shall bring it to pass. Then in verse 7 he says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. In that passage, it talks about trusting, it talks about surrender, and it talks about faithfulness. Now turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. Now, by the way, David wrote that. And now his son Solomon writes in Proverbs under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 3, he, he writes basically the same thing that his father David had written. All right, verse 5, the very familiar passage you know it. Trust in the Lord. There's that word trust again. That's how you get in on what God is willing to do. That's how you get in on what God's able to do. You trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And you lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, you acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Boy, he says in verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It shall be health to the fle your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. Both of those passages talk very clearly about trusting in the Lord, about surrendering to the Lord, and about the faithfulness of God who is willing to and able. I want to talk to you about that word trust. Twice David said, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Solomon opened up by trust in the Lord. You know, to be able to trust someone, you have to know them. Did you know that? How can you trust somebody if you really don't know them well? Not long ago, somebody was talking about an individual, and I said, well, I, I just want to tell you this. I mean, I trust him. I trust him. I trust his character. What he says he, he'll do, and what you see is what he is. See, I knew that person. This other person didn't know him, but I knew him. And I guarantee you, I trusted him. 
And I knew anything that they said or did, I could count on. But the reason I could trust him was that I knew him. How can you trust somebody you don't know? And so when the Bible admonishes us to trust in the Lord, it means we got to know him. And I'm not talking about knowing about him. Oh, all of you know about God. But how important it is that you know God. You know him so well, you can trust him. You can trust him in the, in the intensive care when the doctor says there's no hope. You can trust him when the windows of heaven open and you're blessed abundantly. But because you know him, you can trust him. You can trust him when you get good news. And you can trust him when you get bad news because you, because you know him. You know, that, that definition of eternal life. I'm telling you, for years I didn't realize how important it was. You know what John 17, 3 says? And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. He said eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus that he sent into the world. And so it's just a matter that we have got to get to know God. You know what the Bible says in Romans 8, 14? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the children of God. So how do you get to know God? Well, I'll tell you one way. You get to know God in the Word of God. And I'm going to give you three examples of that in a moment. Well, you get to know God through the Word of God. What is God like? Well, you say, I'm, I'm going to read the latest philosopher or I'm going to read the latest book. You know the best book you could ever read to know who God is is this book right here. <laughs> you can read a lot of books. They'll tell you about God. Whew. But this book reveals God. It, it reveals him. And so one way you get to know him is you get to know him in this book. Another way you get to know him is when you're praying. As you're praying, you express your heart to God, and God expresses his heart to you. And there's an intimate time as you talk to the Lord. I'll tell you, some of the greatest experiences of getting to trust God and to know God is the time you spent with God in prayer, and you sensed his presence, and, and, and that was an assurance to you. And another time, hey, I can trust him. You get to know him through his word. You get to know him through just trusting him. I mean, through prayer. You get to know him through worship. Man, when you get together with other people, other, other, other children of God, and there you come together and you worship God together. Let me tell you something about, I found about worship. Man, I can be uh, kind of feeling kind of level spiritually and, and kind of maybe struggling a little. But then I get with a group of people and they sing and worship and praise God. And soon I find my heart worshiping and praising God and in that worship experience you know what I have an encounter with God and I get to know him you're not going to trust him are you listening if you just know about him you're going to trust him when you know him you see you know why the Bible is so important and you trust in God because there, there are three stories in the in the word of God that reveal the heart of God why is the, 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 the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son, why is that so important? We know the story so well. He, 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 he got to a certain age and had a rebellious spirit. And 
even though it was not time for his blessing, demanded it, took the money, went into a far country, wasted his life in riotous living, woke up sitting on the side of a pig pen and said, my father's servants are better off than I am. And here I am sitting here. He said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to rise and go to my father and say, father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Now, now, now listen, you, you can take so many truths out of that thing, but I'll tell you what you want to know. If you want to know the heart of God, look at the way the father responded to the son. The son came back with the smell of the pig pen on him. And the the father who was Jewish did something that a Jewish man never did. He showed his emotions openly. And he ran. Listen to this. The rebellious son. He ran to meet him. Threw his arms around him. And hugged him. And kissed him. Right in the midst of the smell of the pig pen. And he rejoiced, said, come on in. And they had a party and he gave him a, a new robe and a, 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 some new shoes and a, a ring on his finger. You know, wh- what's that all about? It's about the heart of God. It shows the mercy of God. God didn't give his son what he deserved. The father didn't give the son what he deserved. The father embraced him and forgave him. He had mercy on him. He had mercy. See, that story is to show you the heart of God. And I look at that and I say, God, you're so merciful. You're so merciful. You, you, you didn't give this guy what he deserved. But it also shows the grace of God. God gave him what he didn't deserve and could never do for himself. Listen, he, he, couldn't, he had no money to buy a robe, no money to buy shoes. He certainly didn't have money to buy a ring. He didn't deserve that. But you know what the grace of God is? He gives you what you don't deserve. You can't do for yourself. You know why I know I can trust God? Because I know the heart of God. I know the heart of God. I saw it when he reached out to a wayward son. You know another passage that has helped me to know that I can trust God? Trust him for forgiveness and trust him for strength to go on? Was the encounter with a woman in John chapter 8. The Pharisees who were still living under the law brought a woman to Jesus caught in the act of adultery. They brought her in order to trap Jesus. And they said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And Moses says she needs to be stoned. So what are you going to do about it? Jesus knew they were trying to trap him. He stooped down and he rode in the sand. Then he looked at him and said, let me tell you what. Tell you what I'm going to do. Any of you that's brought her to be stoned, any of you that have have not sinned, then you throw the first rock. You just throw the first rock. One by one, they turned away and left. And the woman looked up, and the only one left was Jesus. He could have thrown a rock. But do you remember what he said to her? Oh, she was guilty. But look at the heart of God. He said to her, neither do I condemn you. But listen, he didn't stop there. He said, now you go. And sin no more. See, that's the heart of God. Jesus forgave her. He didn't condemn her. He could. But he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And I see his heart when he says, hey, you're guilty. But I'm going to tell you what you do. I forgive you. Now, you go and you don't go back to that lifestyle you've been living in. You go and you live a pure and a holy life. You see, I I know I can trust God. Because I see God in action as, as, as Jesus to, 
ministered to the prodigal and ministered to this woman. But see, that, that's the heart of God. And I could go on and on and give you example after example of the heart of God. But you know the greatest example of the heart of God. Oh, you know the greatest example. Was when Jesus Christ, the son of David, perfect humanity. And Jesus Christ, the son of God, perfect deity. Sinless humanity, the last Adam who never sinned. The son of God, perfect deity, who laid aside his deity and became a man and lived among us. You know the greatest expression of the heart of God is when his son was nailed to that cross. Nailed to that cross. Bearing my sin in his body on that tree. Wounded for my transgressions. Bruised for my iniquities. Let me ask you something. Can you trust God who loved you so much that he let his sin, let his son bear the wrath of God in his body. And Jesus died for you and me. The Bible says herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the substitute for our sin. You know, he made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin and gave us the righteousness of Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can trust God. You read this book. I guarantee you can't trust the devil. He's a thief and he's a liar. And you sure can't trust your flesh. But I'll tell you one thing. You can trust Jesus. But you say, Brother Fred, I've been so disappointed in my life so many times by people who profess to be Christians. And so I've just kind of somehow lost confidence. Let me tell you something. Have you ever been disappointed with Jesus? I've never been disappointed with him. He's always done more than he said. And I'll tell you one thing. I can live trusting God. And I can go and face God, go into eternity because I know God is trustworthy. The way you get to you got to get to know him. And if you get to know him, you will trust him. And if you trust him, you'll be able to get in on what God is doing. Now, now let me say this. What is... Um, let me show you one other thing, why you can trust him. I talked about um, the lady, the prodigal. I talked about the cross. But now I want to show you the power of God, that God is able. He's not only willing, but he's able. Of all the stories in the Bible that show the power of God, you'd say, well, it's when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, that was awesome. It was awesome. He raised the widow of Nain's son, child from the dead, he, the centurion. But, you know, I, I can't, every time I think of the power of God to save and the power of God to change and the power of God to deliver and the power of God to do that which only God can do, I think about the time when Jesus crossed the sea to the land of the Gadarenes and there was a man in the tombs who screamed day and night, and who cut himself with rocks. The people of the city had tried to tame him. They had tried to do what they could for him. And he would break the chains. Day and night he screamed. 
in the, in, in the, among the cemetery. And Jesus got out of the ship, started walking in that cemetery. And immediately he said, what have you come, son of God, what have you come to do to me or do with me? And Jesus spoke to him and the legion of demons went out. And then that Bible says later on in that passage that when the people from the town came out to see, they had all heard that the maniac in the, in the cemetery was no longer that way. They couldn't believe it. So they came out to see for themselves. And there he was. Bible says, listen at this now, sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. Let me tell you something. Nobody's too hard for God. Well, God is not able to save him or God's not able to save her. And I'll tell you, I know God will never deliver them. And God, let me tell you one thing. God is able. It says in Hebrews, he is able to save to the uttermost. He's able to save to the uttermost. Those who come to God by him. See, he ever lives to make intercession for them. See, you can trust God. In the word, you can get to know God. And you can know his heart. And you can trust him. What is trust? Define the word trust, Brother Fred. It means you believe in. You believe in. You believe in Jesus. You believe that God is willing. It means that you rely on him. You rely on Jesus. See, if you trust him, you believe in him, you rely on him, it means that you look to him constantly. You look to him. In whatever situation you're in, you're not only believing in Jesus, but you're relying on Jesus. He is your strength, but you are looking to Jesus. You're looking to him in every situation. And you know, I like that word. You're clinging to him. You just want to be as close to him as you can. You're clinging to him. That's what it means to trust him. To believe in him, to rely on him, to look to him, to cling to him, to depend on him. Boy, I tell you, in, in these Psalms, they say that over and over again. Notice what it says. Let me just, like Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Believe in him, rely on him, depend on him, cling to him with all your heart. I love what uh, David said in, in, in chapter um, 37. He said, he said, trust in the Lord. Uh, feed on his faithfulness. Now, isn't that interesting? David had learned that God is faithful. <laughs> he, he, how many times had God bailed David out? How many times had God delivered him? And, and, and he said, just trust in the Lord. Feed on his faithfulness. Just remember how faithful he is. Delight yourself in him. Just delight in him. And then he said in verse 5, Trust, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. See, God is willing. But how do you get in on what God wants to do in your life? You've got to trust him. You've got to trust him with all your heart. You know, when you know God, you know Jesus, and you trust him, now stay with me, you don't have to understand everything. You know what it says right there? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Listen to me. Don't lean on your own understanding. And then it goes on and says in the next verse, don't be wise in your own eyes. Hey, let me tell you something. 
If you trust God, you don't have to understand everything. You don't have to be able to explain everything. You don't have to know everything. You just trust, you just trust him. You see, if, if you, if you, you'd have to be God to understand everything that goes on in your life. And so when you trust him, you just, hey, I love this. When you don't understand God's hand, trust his heart. There have been so many times I said, Lord, I don't understand this. I mean, what, what's going on here? But then I said, but Lord, you know what? I don't have to understand it. You're God. You love me. You've had mercy and grace upon me. You've been faithful to me. And Lord, I can just rely on you and trust in you and depend on you. And I know you're going to work it for good. It says in Romans 8, hey, you don't, when you trust the Lord, you can get in on what God is doing. He's willing, but you don't have to understand everything. And, and, and you, you can just wear yourself out trying to figure it out. Just trust God. If you do not understand his hand, trust his heart. So we got to trust him. That's how you get into him, the fact that he's willing and able. But then you got to surrender to him. David said, feed on his faithfulness. David said, delight in him. And David said, commit your way to the Lord. you got to surrender to get in on God's willingness and his ableness. Man, you've got to surrender to him. You can't be a distant disciple. You can't be a half-hearted follower of the Lamb of God. No. Let me just say this. When Jesus came into your heart, he did not say, give me a part of your life. He said, give me your life. Oh, yeah. You know what the Bible calls somebody that's a half-hearted Christian or, or, or who is, uh, has got, his, got fences around parts of his life and won't let Jesus be the Lord of You know what God calls them? Lukewarm. Lukewarm. Can I ask you, are you hot? I don't think so. Well, are you cold? Oh, no, I know I'm not cold. Well, then what are you? If you're not hot and you're not cold, you're lukewarm. Let me tell you, if you're going to know the willingness of God and you're going to know the ableness of God, it's going to have to come from a surrendered heart. David said, commit your way to the Lord and trust him. That means surrender. It means surrender. You know what the abundant life is? It's a surrendered life. The Bible says, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I've come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. And you say, well, I, I don't seem to be having abundant life. I, I mean, I'm always uh, d disappointed and depressed and discouraged. And, and I, I just, I, out, out of one situation in another, and I don't have any abundance in my life. Well, let me ask you a question. Who's in control of your life? Have you surrendered it all to him? Abundant life is when Jesus is Lord of your life. Abundant life is when Jesus is on the throne of your heart. Abundant life is when Jesus is living his life through you. That's abundant life. It's called surrender. And when it's surrendered to the Lord, he's responsible for it. So the, the key is you've got to trust him. He's willing and able. But you've got to surrender to him. Do you hear what Solomon said? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding. Listen to this. In all your ways, 
acknowledge him. Now, that's a sign of surrender. Lord, I'm not going to make that decision until I hear from you. I'm not going to date that person until I hear from you. I'm not going to take that job until I hear from you. God, I want you to know that in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you. I mean, that means you're in a place of surrender. You know, God is willing. Listen, he's willing. He's not a reluctant God. He's willing. The leper said, Lord, if you're willing, you can cleanse me. He said, I'm willing. Willing that none should perish. God is willing. But let me tell you this, he's able. He's able. And that can happen in your life when you live a surrendered life. You know when you live a surrendered life? Ephesians 3.20 becomes a reality. Now to him who is able, we're talking about he's able. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly more than you could ever ask or you could ever think by his power that works in you. I'm telling you, 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 you're surrendered and you're trusting and you, you, you just say, Lord, I know you're willing and I know you're able and I'm, and you just watch God do things that can only be explained as God. He does personal things in your life and you know it's God and you give God the praise because you see, he's able to do more than we could ever ask or could ever think. But you see, we got to trust him to do that. Well, the last thing that I want to mention is this. God is willing, but you've got to trust him. He's able, but you've got to trust him. He's willing and able, but you've got to surrender to him. No shortcuts, no shortcuts. You've got to put your all on the altar and trust him to live through you. But then you've got to uh, just remember the faithfulness of the Lord. You know what David said? He will direct your steps. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. He will bring it to pass. He will. He will. And so once you learn to trust him and you surrender to him, then you, you just are amazed at his faithfulness. He directs your steps. You, you could commit your way to him and he brings it to pass. Let me just say this. God will lead you. He will answer you. He will empower you. He will direct your steps. He will bring it to pass. He will give you the desires of your heart. All in Psalm 37 and Proverbs chapter 3. We do not worship and serve a reluctant God. We hadn't got a Persuade God. I'm telling you, he's willing. Anything within his will. And, 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 and so much is in his will for you that you haven't claimed. He's willing and he's able. And so why don't we just ask God in our lives, Lord, I know you're willing. Take care of that. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. And I know you're able. I trust you. I want to thank you for it. You're faithful. And don't let unbelief rob you of, of, of invisibility. If he can transform the demoniac in the Gadarenes, cutting himself and screaming, breaking chains, I, I, I believe God can deliver you and me from whatever's in our life that's holding us back from going on with God. So just think about these words.
You're willing, Lord, and you're able. I want to close with this. Here's a way you, you can know that it's all about knowing God. Have you noticed the Lord's Prayer? Almighty God, distant and forever separated. That's not what the Lord's Prayer is. It is what? Our Father who is in heaven. God is a loving Father. And so we say our Father who, who are in heaven. Just remember, you're not talking to an angry God, a distant God, a God who's out to get you and waiting for you to fail. He's the loving God, the loving heavenly Father, and he wants you to know that he is willing. He's willing, and he is able, and he wants you to trust him and surrender to him and watch him operate in your life.